With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Adjusting the Ranks Edition. I'm Ian Harditz. Joining me as always, the one, the only, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, preseason football is done. You have utilized, utilizationized, however the hell you want to say that, the data. I've, I've grinded the film. We're, we're here to talk about the ranking adjustments that have been made here ahead of arguably the biggest draft weekend of the entire season. How are you, my friend? Yeah, man. Uh, utilized utilization <laughs> report. Yeah, yeah. No, man, I'm good, dude. We got all these cuts going on. It's just uh, it's an action-packed day. We've obviously got a lot going on with our ranks and everything. Um, so, yeah, man, ready to jump into it. Get right into it, like Dwayne said. First of all, David Montgomery. We did not see him in the first two weeks of the preseason, but the Bears did go ahead and play Justin Fields and their entire starting group for 22 snaps in week three against the Browns. David Montgomery had 20 snaps. Khalil Herbert, just two. Dwayne, this isn't a guarantee that it's going to be, you know, a 20 to two ratio throughout the season or anything like that. It could be possible that because Montgomery didn't play in the first two weeks of the preseason, they just wanted to get him an extended audition out there next to Justin Fields. With that said, I mean, out of the group of running backs, you know, in that quote unquote RB dead zone. And as you brought up, it's not more so about the rounds. It's more so about the one dimensional early down backs that are often going in that group that aren't catching passes. Montgomery does stand out as someone from that group that we could look up after week one and be like oh shit he just got 23 combined carries and targets did that week three kind of snap rate change your mind at all about where david montgomery is going in your ranks it didn't change my mind i'm not moving him in my ranks like i've had him um below zeke and cam Akers um as the bottom of that tier and i'm still going to keep him there um you know he still has the same efficiency challenges like really wasn't that good yards after contact explosive carry rate all those things that we care about you know for a running back he's okay in the passing game game had a 69.2 pff receiving grade last year but it is a reminder man like that you know i know you and i one of our concerns is new coaching staff maybe they decide to split this thing up more right like kind of what we've talked about with cole Komet. there's been some changes a little bit of change there you know for the bears but with what we're seeing right now with Montgomery, I think it is just a reminder that as much as we may like Khalil Herbert, it really looks like it's David Montgomery's backfield and he's out there for every single down. Now I think Herbert can rotate in and, you know, could still be an every down back when he rotates in. Right. But he's really struggled in pass pro um, this preseason, whereas David Montgomery has been pretty good in pass pro. So I just think it's a situation where, He's probably getting discounted too much. Like right now over at FFPC slides to round five, pick 10. I mean, that's, that's pretty late. And he slides into round six and over half the drafts. So my thought process on him is, you know, if he's going to go in round six, depending on the build you have, I think there's worse things than David Montgomery. Could he lose the job to Herbert? Yeah, but it's not like Herbert's a superstar, man. I tell myself when we've done these drafts, like I'm more open to Montgomery around five or six, but damn it, Dwayne, we get there and we're still not <laughs> no. really hitting drafts. No. So that's the thing with uh, Montgomery, even though I recognize that he probably has, you know, the highest touch 
ceiling of the running backs going in kind of that he might tier. Have the highest he might have one of the highest touch ceilings in period. the league just the, period the, yeah so yeah. I, I think at that point he's fine again i wouldn't want to take him if i already had two running backs on my team but if i had started off zero rb i think i wouldn't be as stubborn right about void avoiding you know montgomery and then if he slides in around seven even if i already have one back on my team i would be more willing to pull the trigger on montgomery and he does he slides in around seven some too so um we've seen him we've seen him go all over the place i'd still probably rather have khalil herbert like 10 rounds later just saying damian pierce taking over the mainstream media cycle at this point i'll join here's the killer thing with damian pierce i bumped him up all right not that i was lagging that far behind but he's my rb 23 i have him as the 62nd overall player behind chase edmonds aj Dillon, just a few other guys so i get it Dwayne. i understand how we're ranking him as a low-end RB2. You called it, I believe, inevitable that he's going to become the sixth, you know, non-day one, day two rookie running back to record a top 24 performance as a rookie. Certainly seems that way. My question is, why is it just our world we live in, Dwayne, that everyone's freaking out about Marlon Mack getting cut? We knew by Monday, we knew by last freaking Friday that Damian Pierce was the clear-cut, seemingly starting running back in Houston, and now Marlon Mack gets cut. I mean, you said it yourself. Like, we don't, why even worry about Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead in the first place? So, like, did you dramatically change your rankings at all just with Marlon Mack leaving? Because, again, I thought this was something that we as an industry had already decided didn't matter days ago, and now it's, like, just more clear for us. I personally don't think it's a big deal. Damian Pierce in round five, round six – just starting to fall into the same kind of things as Dave Montgomery, where it's not that I'm against the profile or against the player. I get it. He probably deserves to be going there. I still find myself maybe leaning more towards the upside wide receivers, not a running back. That's still probably going to lose some snaps in what's fully expected to be a terrible offense. Yeah. I don't, I don't get the overreaction either. We'll see what happens with people's ranks and with his ADP, but if it moves up, it's going to be double counting, right? Like we've already moved him up. Yeah. <laughs> we moved him up to be like, he's going in round six now of FFPC. We saw him yesterday in our draft that we did. He went round six, pick one in FFPC. And to me, that's about the limit for me on Damian, on Damian Pierce. Now, thing we have to worry about is Rex Burkhead. It really was never Marlon Mack. You know, Marlon Mack played with the third string. Like you said, we already knew that Marlon Mack was basically behind Damian Pierce. Pierce was going to get the early down work. The question for Pierce will be, can he take over the passing down um, opportunities from Rex Burkhead? I do think eventually at some point in the season, he'll do that either because Rex Burkhead's 32 and breaks down or just because Pierce really was a good receiver and pass blocker in college. So we know that he has that skill set. I don't know when it's going to happen though, Ian. Like my guests, like people ask me, I'm like, let's say after the week six bye, right? That's a that's a time where we sometimes see these players that start off with a limited role as rookies get better integrated into the offense. So maybe it's by week seven. You know, we're seeing this guy in an every down role, but it's still it is still a question mark. And it's enough of a question mark that I wouldn't like if people start drafting him in round three. Round four, like I, I just won't be getting any exposure at those prices. If he stays around this round six or slides into the round six, you know, range at times, that's where I'll continue to want to try to get Damian Pierce. So we'll just have to see how the market reacts. Again, the volume, it's going to be there certainly better than we thought it was going to be when the dude was going as an RB4 all freaking summer long. So yeah, we need to adjust a lot. Let's not go overboard, everyone, though. This is still the Houston Texans team we're talking about that seemingly has absolutely zero desire to win this season. I mean, I, I don't know how else I'm supposed to interpret every single offseason move they've made for like two years running basically at this point. So when you just look at Pierce, if he's not going to be getting all the pass down work, which 
isn't a certainty. Rex Burkhead, I didn't see if, I mean, I know Marlon Mack got cut. I believe Dari Ogubawale could still factor in that equation. We do have Royce Freeman there. It's not a given that Pierce, even though he does look like the starter, I mean, we have a lot of starting running backs in the league that play 50 or 60% of the snaps, only a few of them that actually play 80, 90% of the snaps. So just keep in mind, like Damian Pierce does have a scenario where he's a starter, but he's the early down back in a horrific offense. And, you know, yards per carry is one of the most overrated stats in fantasy football and we've talked about that throughout the summer so if pierce isn't going to offer us much touchdown upside or much target upside yeah i will not be buying uh before again yeah i think the beginning of round six that's about the point where if you want to start considering him against those quarterbacks okay fine and even then it would need to be on the right build right if i've already got three backs on my team for some reason like then i don't feel the need like i'm gonna go ahead and go after receivers if i have two backs already on my team i'm not gonna feel as much pressure around pierce because there is still a, a range of outcomes that if he's not involved in that passing game on a bad team, like you mentioned, it's just, it's not a good look early down backs on losing teams. It's, it's never been a recipe for a lot of fantasy points. So it's just something to keep in mind. Updates here a little bit on the Brian Robinson situation. Uh, as you guys, I'm sure have heard uh, on Sunday, he was shot twice in an armed robbery attempt when someone was trying to basically carjack him. So we did get nice picture. He's back, you know, in the Washington facility it was on crutches and we did have Ron Rivera say on Tuesday, they have no timeline. Now it's a very fortunate and unique situation. And as we go through it, we'll know what the timeline will be. Dwayne, you said last night during our stream that like, you're not drafting Robinson, no matter what I certainly, you know, moved him far 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 down in rankings i think for all intents and purposes we should move forward until we have a timeline like he's out indefinitely yeah that's the way i'm gonna approach it i mean you know if you've been it's and it's it's really sad like i'm not trying to make light of the situation but just being shot twice like you know i mean even if it missed like the major part of your knee like it still went through muscle and i mean all sorts of stuff right that you're gonna need so i just i really struggle with it i I guess if you're in like a 20 you know, round format, you know, you want to take a swing on a guy like him late. Okay. Uh, honestly, I don't really know how quickly people recover from gunshot wounds. So maybe I'm just talking like completely no out of my, you know what I, I have no clue. So no, no, it's a new situation for all of us. It, it, yeah. So yeah, for me, it's more of a fade. The other, the other problem is what if Gibson comes out and plays really good, right? Gibson was a starter when camp began. Yeah. What if Gibson doesn't fumble and doesn't just lose his way? Like there's a chance Gibson just plays well and Robinson does come back even if he's healthy. And by then Gibson's just locked in as the early down lead. And then Robinson's just getting, you know, like, you know, what we thought Gibson was about to get, which was maybe just some scraps. So, and again, he's not a passing down guy. So I just feel like there's just a too many things, you know, for me to really worry about using a roster spot on Robinson, unless I'm in a really deep format. Takes us to Antonio Gibson, who is now going up the ranks because of this whole scenario. And it's a good, it's a good, uh, I guess, example of, valuing backup running backs correctly because as we saw you know look whose ranking was changing when gibson and robinson have been moving up and down it's gibson robinson jd mckissick man none of us have touched because he's still just in the jd mckissick role so for guys like a kenneth game well not saying it's one for one but certain scat backs that even if you personally because i know there's so many damn kenneth game truthers out there even if you listening to this personally feel like Gamewell can do it all if the eagles feel like he's stuck in that scat back role just like washington feels jd mckissick is stuck in that role you know one they might not even be one or two injuries away from really seeing their value skyrocket and then what are they doing on your roster at that point so in gibson's case Dwayne, i think and we were talking about this last night 
He's right there now, arguably in that Cordero Patterson, Kareem Hunt, Chase Edmonds, if he's still going that low, right there in that tier that we are just loving really in round seven through eight, where, okay, we start off, we get our one or two running backs in the first three rounds, depending on if the workhorses are there. Generally, not every time, but generally we're taking a lot of upside wide receivers, maybe a great tight end or quarterback that, you know, has fallen down to round five or six. After that is when we can really shore up our running back room with this abundance of RB3s that I think have a nice mix of explosive pass catching ability. Antonio Gibson, man, I have him ranked as my 79th player overall, RB33, but he's with a tier of guys where honestly I have it. Let's see, two, four, six. I basically have 10 running backs kind of in the same range where, as we said yesterday, man, as soon as week one ranks get here, and Lord, it's not very far away now, Dwayne. It's going to be pretty tough to keep uh, Antonio Gibson outside the top 24, top 25. Yeah, so I, I moved him just below the tier you talked about where we've got Kareem Hunt, Coral Patterson, the explosive pass catching backs that we've talked about. Um, and the only reason why is because we know J.D. McKissick is such a yeah. barrier to entry. Like he, McKissick has to get hurt for Gibson to really take over that role. So. I agree. He does profile as a back that's explosive, that has the passing down chops, but he just so happens, unlike Patterson and Hunt and these other guys, he's got a guy in front of him that's also really good. You know what I mean? McKissick's a receiver, right? McKissick's the one guy that if you told me, you know, maybe Naheem Hines would be the other, but if you told me, oh, they're going to line up in the slot at running back and they're just going to be as good as a receiver, like McKissick would be the guy. Like he would be the one where I wouldn't just laugh at it. Unlike, you know, some of these other guys that we talk about, you know, running backs playing slot. That's how good McKissick really is a receiver. So, and, and they re-signed him, you know, they, they paid McKissick. So I think Gibson really needs an injury to true, to truly uncork, you know, his, his upside, but I'm in the same range as you. I've got him as my RB 31 now. And I will say he is at the bottom of that tier for what it's worth, because yeah. now we're once again back to the original problem facing Antonio Gibson, <laughs> that being J.D. McKissick, you know, just back in the same exact spot after all that. Okay, Jamison Crowder, someone that got beat out seemingly by Isaiah McKenzie for that starting slot job. Now we have seen McKenzie was, you know, spotted limping out of practice. We'll see what that turns into. But if everyone's healthy, Crowder certainly seems like the wide receiver four in Buffalo. Is this something, Dwayne, after he rested with the starters where you're still kind of targeting Crowder because he is now like cheap as all hell again, wide receiver 87 off the board, courtesy of Fantasy Pros ADP data. I mean, guys like Devin Duvernay, Cavante freaking Turpin, Odell Beckham Jr. have a higher ADP than Jamison Crowder at this point. So I guess my thought on it is like, not something you need to go out of your way for. Like Isaiah McKenzie is still someone that has an ADP that is far too cheap. But if you do find yourself, you know, in one of these 20, 25 round drafts, Crowder is someone that really out of all these wide receivers going in this range, you know, Devin Duvernay, even if Rashad Bateman gets hurt, like, I don't know how much really we're going to be shouting about, you know, starting Devin Duvernay. Crowder is legit one injury away from any of those three Buffalo wide receivers from seemingly having a role that's going to make him tough to rank outside the top 50 or so. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's just that we've seen Crowder play really well in the past. He's not like he is older, but he's not, you know, completely washed. They're treating him like he's part of their starting rotation. It's a pass heavy offense. We have questions around Gabriel Davis. We still have questions as much as we love Isaiah McKenzie, and we do both agree that like it, it seems like he's taken over the leading slot role and he should be going in round like 12 of your drafts. Um, but still, having said all that, like there's enough questions, you know, in an offense that's going to throw the ball a lot with a really good quarterback that 
Crowder could still be on the field quite a bit. And if anything happens, like if one of these guys don't take a step forward, one of these guys get hurt, Crowder could suddenly find himself, you know, on the field a lot. And we've seen him deliver in the past. Now, he's never been a high-end wide receiver one or anything. But in this offense, like just like we've talked about with Gabe Davis, even if the targets per route don't improve for a player like that, they throw so much like it could still give you, you know, wide receiver three weeks for Gabe Davis. You know, we talked about wide receiver two weeks, but for a guy like Crowder, if it breaks right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think if you're in like a 15 rounder, you're probably not going to take Crowder, but he's a name you should definitely be monitoring on the waiver wire. And if it pops like week one, you just like, you've already thought about it a little bit. You're like, okay, this is a guy that I'm definitely going to pay attention to. And, you know, we'd have to look at the utilization of some of those things as well. But yeah, I think Crowder is a guy, especially in uh 20 round drafts, he should not be going undrafted few quick updates uh, as we're recording this Tuesday afternoon, the middle of big time cut day had to wake up to the terrible news that Duke Johnson did not make the bills final roster. Just, just someone for the love of God, give the use all time leading rusher another chance, please. For me, uh, giants wide receiver, Darius Slayton did make the initial 53 man roster. Uh, he was quoted on the trade rumors as saying if the Rams call them and they're like, Hey, we'll give you Aaron Donald for Darius Slayton. I'd make that trade too funny guy Darius Slayton that's freaking fantastic uh, we did see Tyler Beatty get released by the Ravens I know some people were you know really high in him going to the year little Jordan Humphrey released by the Patriots nothing too big out here I did see one more uh where was it fantastic podcasting Justin Jackson just got released by the Lions Hey, Justin Jackson would be the RB2 on the Chargers tomorrow Dwayne I'm I'm still surprised that he even made it to the Lions in the first place the Chargers are one of those teams. We already saw Kenyon Drake uh, sign with the Ravens. I guess we can talk about that more in a second. I really think the Chargers are not done at running back, man. They're, they're going to add one of these guys. That's going to piss a lot of people off. Well, Roundtree and Kelly just have not done anything. So I agree. Like, unless they think that, you know, Spiller is, you know, close to being ready and he's got an ankle injury. But even then, like, they haven't shown a willingness yet in the preseason to even get Spiller out there ahead of Roundtree or Kelly. So I think to your point, that kind of tells you where the coaching staff's heads are, um, you know, on the current backfield behind Austin Eckler. Um, those two guys rotated again this past week. So the week before Josh Kelly started and he and Roundtree rotated with the quote unquote starters, the chargers haven't used their starters all preseason, but the starters for the game. And then the same thing happened this past weekend. We just saw Roundtree actually play ahead of Kelly, but again, they rotated in and out. And again, like just, looking at these guys and their profiles, there's not a lot there. So I'm with you. I don't, I don't think there's a reason that, you know, the chargers should hold back. Like a guy like Justin Jackson immediately, like would probably enable them to cut, you know, one of those guys and he probably becomes the RB two. And that would also, that, that would hurt Spiller as well. Cause one of our big things with Spiller is even though he's still struggled this preseason, it's been like, but it's just Roundtree and Kelly. Like, come on, like he can surely eventually take it over. And maybe that's still the case for Spiller. But if a guy like Jackson signs there, that will hurt. Overall thoughts on, the Ravens backfield right now we're getting some news that JK Dobbins not guaranteed to be out there week one Gus Edwards is on the pup list no Tyler Beatty so right now it's looking like the top three on the depth chart Dwayne Mike Davis Kenyon Drake and Justice Hill who is back from last season the one running back that did tear his ACL as well I believe but actually is on pace to be back there so I do wonder Dwayne if the answer here is just no especially with Justice Hill now involved you know we have flirted with the idea of adding Mike Davis very late to some of these teams but the more we look at it I don't think the Ravens can run the ball as much as they keep talking about wanting to you know and once we kind of get past that and we look ahead 
it's Mike Davis, Kenyon Drake, and probably Justice Hills would be the one actually taking away the pass down work from that. So it's already an offense where like when J.K. Dobbins was healthy alongside Gus Edwards, it was a two running back committee. Like that was kind of the best we could hope for inside this offense, even with Lamar Jackson under center. It's not like Dobbins was like knocking down the door of this top 12, top 15 weekly running back to rank. He was still kind of in that RB2 range with guys like Antonio Gibson, who also unfortunately aren't catching passes. I don't know that I can like confidently, even though there's a lot of opportunity here, Dwayne, I struggle to be too excited about Davis or Kenyon Drake, because what are we really talking about here, man? Like the over under, like if someone set the over under at 10 and a half touches for either of those guys in week one, I'd be pretty afraid to hit the over. I recognize it's in their range of outcomes, but this whole situation is so tough to read and they're playing the jets week one which is the reigning worst defense in the league against RBs and fantasy points per game allowed. So it sure would be nice if we kind of could figure this out. Yeah, I'm still fine with Davis in like round 15, 16, because like what I was projecting him for was really the Gus Edwards role, which was the secondary role right behind the lead role if it would have been Dobbins. And so I don't, I think he's at least going to do that and you're getting him in round 15. Um, you know, so if, if Dobbins is ready to play, I think he's definitely going to be the next man up. You know, and now if he doesn't play well, like it could put him in jeopardy, but it's, it's, it's around 15 pick, right? And you can cut him, you know? So for me, I still like Davis. I think he's the better fit overall for the offense, the way that he likes to run the ball. Um, he's very similar to Gus Edwards. So I, I like Davis still. I, you don't need to reach on him. He's been creeping up a little bit. We were getting him like around 17 or 18 in these FFPC drafts that you and I've been doing. And then yesterday we saw him go right in front of us at round 15. So I don't, I don't want to reach past that but again it does just depend on my roster construction like i I wouldn't say i would never pull the trigger on you know mike davis in round 14 but you gotta take into context well what running backs are really available in round 14 there's not very many available so i don't know how much i'm really saying here um i think the bigger news here is that like man like you know obviously we know gus edwards is a way off and they're not comfortable at all really with jk dobbins like and honestly at this point i'm gonna be surprised if jk dobbins plays on week one so I think Dobbins is another guy that people just continue to overdraft. Like he's moved up since, you know, coming off of the pup. And like there's people, there's people sometimes spending around four pick on Dobbins. There's no way you should be doing that. You know, we agree he's not your typical dead zone profile because he's an explosive playmaker, but they rotate multiple guys to your point. He's not really that involved in the passing game, even though he plays passing down snaps because Lamar Jackson's just like, I'm taking off, bro. See ya. Like going to go score a touchdown. Um, and then, you know, they could run the ball more. They may not throw the ball as much so that even if you're out there on passing downs like Dobbins could be, it just, I don't know, man. I'm struggling with Dobbins. Gus Edwards, I'm not drafting anymore. So Mike Davis really still is the only guy I'm drafting. I would say, you know, um, as far as looking at Kenyon Drake, I just put him at the very bottom of my ranks <laughs> just to basically say, hey, yes, he did sign with the team. But it just wasn't looking good, man. Like what it, it just wasn't looking good with the Raiders. I'm just concerned. Like, is this Kenyon Drake? Is he just complete dust? Is he just completely done? I don't know. And, and I think the other thing, Kenyon Drake really could be the guy. They may want him to take on some of the passing down work, which again is not very it's not worth much in this offense. To your point, it's been Justice Hill so far this preseason. I, I guess my only thing with Mike Davis, like we're drafting him for some of this early season potential fill-ins, but like would you start Mike Davis or Jamal Williams in week one? If Dobbins is out, if Dobbins is out, I would start Mike Davis. I just, even then, man, I feel like it's such a, so up in the air could, could be right though. And to your point, but here's your thing. Where you don't, he's have, going, to, he's you don't have to start him week one for him to be valuable to you in the early part of the season. Yeah. Right. You could just on that call, you could say, I'm just going to start Jamal Williams and you see what happens in week one with Mike Davis and you're going to cut him or you see what you need and you're like, okay, fine. I'm going to use him week two. 
Um, so th that's my take on it. And again, it's where you're taking him. Like he's still around 15, round 16 pick. So looking relative to all the other backs that are there, we're gonna have a lot of questions about all of them. It just depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for upside later in your season, like Mike Davis is in the pick for you. If you really did like go hero or zero and you're not sure who you're starting week one, then at least just put Mike Davis in the mix. Even if you don't start in week one, week two, week two, week three, week two and week three, maybe he helps you out. And then you cut him when Dobbins comes back. So don't get carried away with him for sure. Because like the shelf life, even if he is the lead guy is probably not going to last that long. Traylon Burks, the conversations after the first two preseason games, is he going to be the Titans wide receiver six? Will Traylon Burks receive a single target the entire 2022 season? <laughs> Dwayne, it looks like the Titans, in fact, have plans to feature their first round pick to some extent in the offense. Now, we still have issues here with Robert Woods, you know, being back, being the number one. But at a minimum, we saw in the third week of the preseason, Traylon Burks looks to be in the top four at this point. Now, whether it's going to be Woods, Nick Westbrook, Akini, Maybe, just maybe, even Kyle Phillips in three wide receiver sets ahead of Burks remains to be seen. We also saw Burks, you know, score a touchdown, look pretty big and fast doing it. Wasn't exactly, you know, a ton of resistance on, resistance on the play, but we get these preseason touchdowns and people tend to boom the ADP accordingly. Did you change your ranking on Traylon Brooks at all based on what happened in week three? No, but we didn't, I, I didn't really move him down that much. You know, I, I basically just allowed ADP to, move him down in the tier that I had already had when his ADP slipped just so nobody would reach on him, but he still qualifies for the same tier. You know, he's a first round player. That's definitely got a pathway to targets on a team that doesn't really, they don't have any elite options. Like we like Robert Woods. We do not love him. So I'll be, you know, surprised if Traylon Burks by like week three or four is not one of the top two receivers on Tennessee. And if he's not, that's fine. Like you can, you can get out. And remember you're drafting these players where you're getting them for their upside. You're not, you're not worried about starting Traylon Burks in week one. You're getting him in round 10 and sharp drafts like FFPC. You and I got him round 11. Yeah. I think he, I checked earlier on ESPN uh, and some of these other home league sites. He's still going like 117. So Ooh. that's like the end of round 10 um, in a 12 team league. So, you know, just know that you're not putting him in your starting lineup at the beginning, you know, of the season. But guys like him, Garrett Wilson, these these first round draft picks, like some of them are going to come through. And we've seen the guys that we thought were not starters in the past. I know we've made fun of the Justin Jefferson thing, but it is it stands true, right? Ola B. C. Johnson was the starter. A bunch of people cut Justin Jefferson that year. And guess what? Week three pops off. So it can happen for these types of guys, but just remember why you're drafting them. Do not think of them as a starter when you're drafting them. If you do, it's going to make you one, it'll make you never draft them <laughs> because if you told me, Hey, Dwayne, let's take Traylon Burks. We've got to start in week one. I'd be like, no, let's not take Traylon Burks. So just remember, even if you're taking him ahead of a guy that may you're, maybe you're targeting, targeting Jacoby Myers as your wide receiver three, like a round or two later to get your arms around some of the upside, like a Garrett Wilson, a Traylon Burks, you have to take them before you take Jacoby Myers. So don't think just in a, in a mindset of, Oh, I got to take my starter first. No, grab your upside player, wrap back around, get Jacoby Myers as your starter. The next round, you just got to play the ADP game. The ever evolving new England Patriots backfield. We've lost two members, Dwayne, Kevin Harris gone. Also have JJ Taylor gone. This now leaves Damon Harris, RB one. Ramondre Stevenson, RB1, whenever Damon Harris is out of the picture for whatever reason. And as the tentative pass down back, Ty Montgomery, although he is still dealing with the ankle injury, you can kind of read between the lines, though, and just see that when they do cut Harris and they wave uh, J.J. Taylor, you would think that they still feel somewhat okay about Ty Montgomery's, excuse me, <coughs> 
recovery from that. So the question, Dwayne, I think we were already kind of figuring out that Ty Montgomery wasn't necessarily going to be the James James Weiss, Stefan Ridley, just consistently involved on every single pass for a situation. We did get the report that it was going to be more maybe, you know, first drive Dame, second drive Stevenson, timeout more in just pure two-minute situations, which, again, is something that your utilization report always does a great job uh, sifting through. With Stevenson and Damian Harris, though, if it is a two-running back backfield, all of a sudden this gets alluring, not just for Ramondre, but also for Damian. I know it took a while to get here, but depending on the timeout injury, like Dwayne, in week one, timeout Montgomery is out. And we know it's going to be a two-back committee with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. It's not Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. With that said, it's going to be tough to keep both those guys outside the top 30. And those are the type of running backs we want. Yeah, so I think the challenge here is just how long is Montgomery hurt for, (laughs) you know? Um, Because now I still worry, like, okay, great. He's got a sprain. He's got an ankle or a uh, he's got a lower extremity issue. I don't even know for sure. I think it was ankle. But he's eventually going to be back. Like they didn't cut him. So then what happens? Like, are they going to rotate three guys? Are they going to, you know, go back to their niche roles? We, we know we've heard them talk about just using all three backs on all the downs. Um, and that would open that, that alone does open the door in my opinion for Stevenson or to your point yesterday when we were podcasting, Damian Harris like to take a step forward, but yeah, I, I agree. Week one, like it's going to be hard, but at the same time, we also wouldn't be surprised. Like if, the guy they drafted basically at the same spot that they did Ramondre Stevenson um, last year in early round four. If we're looking at a deal where Pierre Strong is suddenly involved, we didn't expect it. Like really anything can happen, you know, with the Patriots offense. Now, what I will say is you and I both agree like that Ramondre Stevenson, like his underlying data points, whether we're talking about rushing, whether we're talking about receiving, they're good. They really are good. And so could the Patriots suddenly decide to make Ramondre Stevenson, you know, this every down back? I kind of doubt it. But I do see a scenario where he could just take over and become the lead guy, right, over Damian Harris. Um, but at the same time, like I'm not just I'm just not counting on it. Like you and I have both we both adjusted because he does have the better receiving profile. That alone is enough to just be like, fine, take him over Damian Harris right. um, because that's the harder role to get. Um, but at the same time, like if I j- had to guess right now, what's this offense going to look like? Damian Harris is still going to have more of the early down work right? Ramondre Stevenson will get more of the passing down work. Damian Harris is still going to score more rushing touchdowns. And then Ty Montgomery is just going to be like this annoying fly. Like this just always in the ointment. And you're just like, okay, well throw my hands up. Don't really know what to do about it. And again, Pierre Strong could be more involved than what we think as well. Stevenson, fantasy pros, ADP, RB 35. I guess my thing is like Kareem Hunt's going one RB spot ahead of him. Tony Pollard's only a few spots ahead of him. Chase Edmonds is right there. I prefer those other guys. So when it comes down to it, I'm just taking them ahead of Stevenson. If Stevenson was going more in the Michael Carter, Daryl Henderson range. Yeah. Okay. Sign me up. He's not. So that's why I've just been taking, in my opinion, the better backs guys that are in more solidified two running back committees that I don't think the talent difference is different at all. If anything, I think we have probably more evidence that Kareem Hunt, Chase Edmonds fit kind of what we're looking for in fantasy land than Ramondre Stevenson. KJ Hamler talked about this on our lovely football guy stream, but there was good evidence from him actually getting back out there on the field for the first time since tearing his ACL and dislocating his hip at the beginning of the 2021 season. And we talked about just how the 16-yard Traylon Burks touchdown boosted his ADP. There was a fourth and one play call where they had Hamler run a little sluggo, toasted the corner, who was sitting you know, on a short route because it was fourth and one. But you could see Hamler 
puts the hand up, you know, stomping on the ground when the quarterback took the three yard completion instead of throwing the 40 yard touchdown to him. But just watching that, watching some of the routes he was able to put on film out there, he looked healthy. He looked fast. He looked like someone that could be out there, man, as a full time wide receiver three from day one. Now, looking at this offense, it's Sutton, it's Judy, and then there's going to be a drop off to Hamler. I, it, I'm fully expecting him to be the guy taken off the field when they're going to run their good amount of two wide receiver sets. But KJ Hamler, someone that really we haven't seen get the boost in ADP, despite Tim Patrick, you know, tearing his ACL, despite Hamler coming off the pup. And unlike guys like Goblin, you know, like James Robinson, J.K. Dobbins, who might not be on the pup, but we're also really kind of wondering about their week one status. Again, to see Hamler go out there and play and look pretty good doing it, Dwayne, he could go out there week one against the Seahawks secondary. If we see KJ Handler do what KJ Handler does best, and that's take the top off of defense, this is someone that's just going to be, again, on the cover of every single single waiver wire article out there ahead of week two. I think that there's a tier of these wide receiver three types that you can really look at in fantasy drafts of all shapes and sizes. You know, the Joshua Palmers of the world, uh, Jalen Tolbert, George Pickens, just these upside number three wide receivers that might just be one injury away from having their role really expand in the hurry. KJ Osborne's another one. Tyler Boyd's another one. Isaiah McKenzie. Again, there's a lot of these guys, but we have all those guys, and it's still rounds later that KJ Hamler is finally going. Dwayne, we're, t- we're targeting him in every single draft we basically do together, and you never have to go out of your way to get the guy. Are we missing something here? I, I don't even have a question for you. It's just like, KJ Hamler, man. Let's go. Let's keep drafting him. Yeah, I mean, I think you've actually hit everything. There, also, we had Kendall Hinton get waved today. So, um, I mean, I know they want to bring him back to the practice squad, but look, guys, Hamler's the wide receiver three on this team, whether it's week one, week two, or week three, like when he's fully ready to rock, like he's going to be the guy, um, you know, and remember, this is the division where you've got the AFC West playing against the NFC West. So they got, so if you're Russell Wilson, you got to play against Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr. Then you got to turn around and play the 49ers. You got to play Matt Stafford. You got to play Kyler Murray. The only easy out, right, is really Seattle. These, these guys are going to have to score a lot of points. So if you look at that division, you know, 56% of the game scheduled for 50 points or more belong in that division. So KJ Hamler, they're going to need fireworks at times. And so he's a guy that can definitely provide it. And I agree with you just going too far after these other guys that really he should be in the same tier with. It's an absolute arbitrage play on all the players that you just named. Yeah. I would rather draft KJ Hamler than Josh Palmer. Personally. Yeah. I mean, I can see it. Why not both join? Why not? Yeah, I'm good with both. But I, I mean, if I had to pick, you know, and his ADP were to rise and get more yeah. in alignment with where it should be, I would choose KJ Hamler. Because again, like Josh Palmer, KJ Hamler is like Josh Palmer before Jalen Guyton got injured. I'm not trying, I'm not comparing Guyton to Tim Patrick in terms of their on-field ability, but that's still going to probably be a rotation or we at least have to worry about it. With Hamler, like he's locked in as a wide receiver three now. Again, that Tim Patrick injury just dwindling down the wide receiver Bronco, the Denver Broncos wide receivers from four to three can't overstate how important that was for Hamler for Judy. And even though we kind of already assumed Sutton had that job secured. Now we really know for sure. Dwayne, our sleeper of the day brought to you by our lovely friends over at sleeper. One of my favorite places to go for mock drafts, which will be streaming here on the PFF YouTube channel. I believe as early as tomorrow, Wednesday, August 31st, if there's 30. One days in August. I'm not entirely sure. Anyway, Dwayne, sleeper of the day, Miami Dolphins RB2, Raheem Mostert. Saw him out there in the preseason. Still looking all kinds of speedy. Sonny Michelle no longer on the squad. 
it looks like ahead of week one, this could be Chase Edmonds 1A, Raheem Mostert 1B. Maybe it's more of a clear one-two punch, but at a minimum, man, Raheem Mostert is someone that really has been borderline free. I mean, going in the very late rounds of drafts, like when you look at some of the rookies and guys going around him that either don't have roles or don't have much of a, a access point to upside, I don't think Mostert has this sort of three down handcuff ceiling as someone like Isaiah Spiller, or even like a Tyrion Davis price or Zamir white. But you know, Dwayne, we get into the running back 50 range and all of a sudden we have a guy in Raheem Mostert who maybe he can make the most out of 10 to 12 carries per week. And if something did happen to chase Edmonds, to your point last night, it'd be pretty hard not to stop Raheem Mostert for at least however long that would persist. And we've seen Raheem Mostert actually play the passing down role in the past in the Shanahan offense. Like he's been around a while. So it's not like he's never done it. Like I think if Chase Edmonds went down, like my first inclination, the, the biggest thing with Mostert, right, is can he stay healthy? Right. And he's he's 30.4 years old when the season starts. Um, but he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on him. Um, you know, most of his playing time has honestly been special teams until the last few years, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy, but I don't really have questions about him in the receiving game. Now he's not chase Edmonds. He's not going to like break down a linebacker on a Texas route. Ian, like he can get involved. He can get involved in the passing game and he's an explosive playmaker, you know, especially in space. So, I mean, if something did happen to chase Edmonds, like I, think I would be hard pressed to not think that he's going to see 60% of the snaps for that week. Now, maybe they eventually bring someone in to help offset that. So they're supposedly shopping miles Gaskin right now. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with that. You know, they still have Salvin Ahmed, you know, we know that they're going to use some sort of a rotation, but I'm with you. I think he would definitely be the lead guy and I wouldn't put it past him to also handle passing downs. If miles Gaskin hangs around, like I would immediately think that he would take the passing down role, right? If chase Edmonds went down. Um, but I'm thinking, you know, probably 35, 40% of the rushing attempts to Raheem Mostert and a good offense. Like he could come through with some big plays and then contingency value. If Edmonds misses a game or two. Again, Raheem Mostert, our sleeper of the day. Still have a few tight end notes to get to. Where'd you move into real quick, Ian? Like RB 49. Okay. I'm 55. We're really close. Yeah. Before we get onto our tight end notes, I want to give a quick shout out to some of our lovely sponsors out there. Our newest partner is revolutionizing the world of sports betting and fan engagement by making sports fandom profitable. That company is Symbol, the stock market for sports. Symbol was a PFF sponsor last year, and they are back for this football season. Symbol lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks and even earn cash dividend payouts when your teams win. Symbol took the thrill of sports betting and combined it with the profitability of the stock market to give you a platform where fortune favors a fan. Download the Symbol mobile app for iOS by searching S. I-M-B-U-L-L in the App Store and use code Ian, I-A-N, to receive a free team stock buy up to $150 upon signing up. A PFF team is even getting in the symbol market themselves this season. Create a free account, enter code Ian to get a free stock buy up to $150 and compete against the PFF forecast podcast this season on symbol. Also get ready for the NFL week one action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. And now everyone can experience the throw of DraftKings early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice. And if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly. Even if your team loses, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. 
That's code PFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for terms and resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. One per new customer, minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 issued as eight $25 free bets. Also, if you haven't heard by now, Underdog Fantasy, the best and easiest place to play fantasy football this summer. Underdog will actually double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with promo code PFF. Go get in those best ball streets. The best ball mania is still filling. Go get up to $10 million in total prizes. And if you play 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF that you enter, using code PFF, you get a free PFF subscription. Underdog drafts closed before NFL kickoff. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store. Play $10 with code PFF and draft your best ball mania team today. And finally, Manscaped, the leader in below the waist grooming. Now trust them with the whole shebang. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PFF. It's time you enjoy the finer things in life and get yourself a platinum package for your platinum package. Dwayne, a lot of good tight end takeaways uh, from week three, actually, probably more so than any other position out there. Quickly, no offense, don't draft him. Anything else to say? <laughs> yeah, don't draft no offense. Only 54% route participation with Geno Smith and the starters. Like, we want to be at 80%. We can handle 70%. You know, 65%, you're saying there's a chance. 55% and below, bad. Doesn't really matter how good they are. It's just really bad. Um, so, yeah, just a few more and we'll hit them quickly. So, David Njoku has been in a route over 80% of the time with the starting quarterbacks, whether that be Jacoby Brissett or week one when we saw Deshaun Watson out there. Um, this is a guy that we saw him at 78% in 2018, and he finished as the tight end nine, right? So, David Njoku is my priority late-round sleeper. He goes off the board at tight end 16 right now. Evan Ingram at 78% route participation with Trevor Lawrence on the field through the preseason. So again, nearly to that 80% mark. Evan Ingram, a guy that you talked a lot about earlier in the offseason, Ian. Yeah, he's definitely declined, but he's a guy that we have seen be good. He's been good in the past, right? And and the Jaguars, like we like Christian Kirk. We're okay with Zay Jones and Marvin Jones, but none of those guys really stand out as big target hogs, right? So there's room you know, for Evan Ingram. There's also, of course, room for Travis Etienne just to freaking dominate, but we won't yeah. go there. Brevin Jordan is the other one. A little more iffy on Brevin Jordan just because we've had Pharaoh Brown out with a hamstring, but Brown is really a pass. He's a blocker, right? Brevin Jordan is the route runner. And so looking at Brevin Jordan, he's also been over the 80%. You can basically take him you know, with the last pick of your draft. And then the final one, also, this is a tight end 33 right now is Mo Alley Cox. And Mo Alley Cox has been out there for 75%. And so we had an injury that occurred a couple of weeks ago to one of the other tight ends in that room that's really opened things up for Mo Alley Cox when he's been on the field with Matt Ryan. So those are all late round guys that you can look at. And if you're playing, you know, in a really deep league, like, you know, you're not going to take Brevin Jordan and Mo Alley Cox in most normal leagues. But if you're playing in a 20 rounder, like those guys are definitely on the board. But Njoku and Evan Ingram should be drafted in pretty much every draft. Final note here on tight end. Bears actually released James O'Shaughnessy with a non-football illness related issue. I will say that Ryan Griffin with the first team offense, 14 snaps and four routes. Cole Komet, 15 snaps and nine routes. It's not that Ryan Griffin or James O'Shaughnessy was ever going to take away Cole Komet's number one job. But when we just look at last year and we say, oh my gosh, like Komet had 90 targets. What's stopping him from getting 110 targets? If Ryan Griffin is going to make this a 1A, 1B, or even a 1-2, we need Cole Komet to be the 
overall one for him to make up for really the underwhelming kind of efficiency measures we've seen from himself and the projected underwhelming just general nature of this entire Bears passing game and offense for that matter. So Cole Komet, Dwayne, still someone that I am not taking as a top 12 tight end. Yeah, and it's just, you know, he's going as tight end 13, right? And so I'd rather take Njoku as tight end 16. I'd rather take Irv Smith. Rather take Evan Ingram at tight end 20 um, is really the way I'm looking at it. There's, ten, um, there's now, 10 tight ends. There's 10 tight ends to take. And if you don't get one of the 10, wait until Njoku or Irv Smith, basically. Yeah, and I'm, I'm honestly, like, I'm tempted to just make Njoku, like, part of the eleven. Let's just say there's 11 tight ends. You know what I mean? Like, I feel that good about him. So um, I will say with Komet, 75% route participation with the starting quarterback, which isn't if you look at it over the entire preseason. The other thing is Ryan Griffin's not really a blocker. Like our big concern with Chicago is they come, you know, Luke gets Luke Getze comes from um, the Packers where they utilize Mercedes Lewis and all their 21 and 12 personnel stuff. And we would off that's why we would see Robert Tunyon, Ian not on the field enough like we would like outside of the injuries that he was suffering. And so that would be the only thing with me for Komet. 75% is still pretty close. And Ryan Griffin's not the kind of guy that's just going to be out there in 21 personnel. In fact, Cole Komet might be the better option for that. Um, so I think he's still in a range where it's fine. I just like some of the other guys at later ADP. I have the Joku tight end 13. I agree. He's way too cheap and he deserves to be prioritized in this group i put him alongside gerald everett and irv smith as probably my three favorite kind of late round tight ends in that group I, it just comes back to man like man should be a lot cooler if you had a an actual qb out there uh david joku i know it's nothing that he can exactly do about it for the time being that's that's the only reason why Najoku is not part of that top 11 yeah i think that's fair I think that's fair. We're we're not crazy about you know rostering players Point are going to be matter. with. Yeah, I'm with you, Jacoby Brissett, man. <laughs> that's all you got to say. That's all you got to say. And I will know. You could say that in any context, and I'll know what you're saying. It'll mean something bad. You know, I mean, we could just be hanging out together and you're just like Dwayne Jacoby Brissett, like, and I would just know. Like, all... This isn't good. Something bad's about to happen. That's like the opposite of like our safe word. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, it's the, what's the opposite of a Monroe St. Brown? But, like, like, yeah. that's our... <laughs> when you know something's wrong, like the panic words. It's like when you send the tweets. Like, is everything okay, man? Like, are you being held hostage right now? Oh my goodness. Okay, Dwayne, 45 minutes. We're in, we're out. We've updated the ranks for the final time this preseason. We will continue to update the ranks over at PFF Plus. You can go get your subscription. Try it out free for a week. You guys want my ranks, Dwayne's ranks, Nathan Yonke, Kevin Cole. We are actively updating them. I think I sent our freaking poor Mike three different copies of it today because I messed up the first one. I just felt like tinkering on the second one. Regardless, we are updating them many, many times. Yes, we have articles going out, but if you want the most updated PFF rankings, you're going to have to go get the new Pro Football Focus app. And hey, if we've helped you at all. If you've already had your draft and you're just like, man, I freaking love my team. You're roster baiting every single night and it's just everything's feeling good for you. You've enjoyed Dwayne and I throughout the summer. I, I don't do this a lot because I think it's, you know, desperate and kind of pathetic in my opinion but hell Dwayne a lot of people do it so if you wouldn't mind giving our app a five-star review and saying something nice about it again I really try not to spam you guys with the five-star review subscribe spiel every damn podcast so one time if you're still listening you're you're chilling you got a week before the you know storm hits wouldn't mind pro football focus give it a nice review if you like us you know be honest I'm not, I'm not asking you guys to lie for us so go get that pro football focus app we'll have our updated rankings there and much more goodness alongside with it Dwayne in this final week before the draft you have a couple articles out there for the people I even saw my guys list there do you want do you have a my guy or two you can share with the listeners and then let them know what else you have going on at pff.com 
Um, I haven't finalized them yet, but you had a really good one. So like you had a good list. Um, so some of the same, some of the same guys like Barkley's definitely on it. Like he's yeah. kind of been a, my guy for me for, I don't know, since like March at this point. So, or well, as soon as the draft came and went right, once we got through the draft, like Barkley, we were pushing him up the boards. Um, so he'll definitely be in there. CD lamb obviously is another one. Like those are my two favorite players along with, you know, to draft in round two, obviously Kyle Pitts round three, but I'm going to, I'm going to put some other good ones in there for folks. So, um, that are going in the later rounds. And then I'm also going to have a fade list one last time before this final weekend of drafting. I know some of you folks are still going to go ahead and draft the weekend after as well. Cause you want the latest information and you guys will draft even after the Thursday night, the first Thursday night game, which, Hey, great. But for this upcoming weekend, I've got one final round of updates and just trying to make sure everybody's completely ready for their drafts. We're going to be back with some quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and even tight end episodes. The goal of those is going to make things hopefully, you know, 30, 45 minutes, get through the key points, get through the fades, the guys we're higher and lower on with one's PFS finest, Nathan Yonke, resident expert ranker himself. So keep an eye out for that. I'm sure we'll have many new notes from cut day and stuff to talk about then. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody.